Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Cup podcast. This week, we continue continue with our beautiful nature interviews, and we have the lovely Bridget Ann McNeil, who is an ecotherapist and lives a life of nature and for nature, and is here to talk about her work today and her life. So welcome, Bridget. How are you today? I'm really, really good. Sitting in the woods um, with the rain pattering around me and the fire just there. So yeah, feel great to be in, in this space. How about you? I'm good. Yes. Up and down and ebbing and flowing, but yeah, mostly loving all of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, loving the highs and the lows. Um, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> for anybody that hasn't seen your work, um, would you like give a little overview of what you're sharing and putting out there sure um it's kind of quite varied in a way um i teach a lot of um work with people out on the land um helping people to reignite a connection or a um love of the earth to remember their belonging in it and to help them to also through nature feel a sense of connection to their own nature as well um and i also teach foraging and herbalism too so whatever i do the plants kind of get woven in because they are my obsession and they really deeply helped me on my own journey of recovery and as as did the wilder, wider, more than human world as a whole that was my real refuge for me. Um, and I'm spending a lot of time now writing too and I'm just finishing my second book called The Wild Within, <laughs> um, which will be out next year. And that's about um, using nature as a place for recovery and trauma and it has plants as well woven woven through it wow and you have illustrations in it too no there's little illustrations before each chapter um but no it's it's just just words super and then your first book for anybody new um what is that called and what's it about it's it's called Bloom and Thrive, and it's just a little book on herbal medicines, like um, remedies to make for everyday ailments, wounds, um, colds, things like that. Fab. Amazing. I, do, you work, mm. do you work with propolis? Yes. With? Propolis. Oh, no, not really. I mm. love it, though, when I have the smell. Oh. I you actually, do that, don't you? Well, I was just working with it yesterday now and just removing it from the hives because I can get more like, like in the summer, it's just full on. And then mm. in the autumn, winter, I can get to more like tedious tasks so I can get start taking the propolis off any hives that haven't are not being used over winter. So mm. I'm just cleaning it now at the moment and I'll put it into an alcohol base. But I've been reading more and more about the medicinal benefits and how the Greeks used it and Egyptians used it for balming mummies and like oh. anything in the teeth, 
cavities like I was chewing it yesterday but then it was so funny because I looked in the mirror later in the evening and I was like oh there was big yellow dots on my teeth (laughs) but it's like it's like a clove you know it just inflammatory you know anti-inflammatory it tastes divine doesn't it it's Mm. like from what I've tasted it's half like chewing on incense yeah like resin and perfume but then it has this deep sweetness this deep just beautiful really really beautiful I love watching you with your bees I love it I I I, yeah really beautiful I hope one day to be able to know about bees the way you do oh thank you and you you're (laughs) welcome to come and visit too you can meet them oh (laughs) I can eat them oh you can meet them (laughs) (laughs) you can meet them yeah have bee sandwiches yeah no I'd love to yeah um and and the other beautiful thing about working with bees is that say like the propolis yesterday when I went out for the evening came home when I opened the door of the house it's like a waft so the medicine not only goes into like <gasps> the cars, it's in the walls of the house it's the same oh. with harvesting the honey like I open the honey room and I'm like boom it just wow it knocks you over it's so intense mm. it's like mm. speechless you know you're just infused with it almost it's amazing Mm. am i right in thinking that the hum the buzz of a bee helps to settle women's hormones and also the nervous system yeah goes into the cellular design in the body and actually retunes the cells retunes malignant cells like people who have long-term ptsd like a couple of sessions with these actually goes so they've actually put like even viral load and cells in in you know dish, petri dishes and it completely yeah. destroys it or it rejoins cells or it like brings wow. them back to like the C scale in music so like you know when a cat purrs and you get the kind of dose of serotonin or you're relaxing oxytocin yeah. like same with the bees they start going into your cells and you may not know it but like you just become being with them you know um, oh. I remember a group I had in the summer like they were all excited and they were like getting on the suits and we were all like spacemen and then they were like oh yeah da, 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 like all talking and chatting and excited and next thing I opened the hive and they were like wow <laughs> they couldn't wow because the designs <laughs> oh. and the artwork they just silenced yeah. you you know gosh beautiful really beautiful yeah mm. mm-hmm um yeah so and your work that you're doing today um what kind of mm. like plants are you working with or teaching about what do you have in season right now um so today um actually we did a kind of them getting used to being out on the land on their own kind of finding um feeling how that feels within them but um so just preparing them more for more work where they head out on solo time on the land um, but I did introduce them to a few weeds, weeds, you know, what people call weeds, um, because for me, it feels one of the things that was so potent in my life is was the unlearning of the stories that we hold about nature, um, about plants as well. And for me, the key into there was plants and relearning a more beautiful story about dandelion or about nettle 
And then for me, it kind of carried on this journey of um, learning about insects, um, the earth, and and how it changed my ability to connect with the earth around. Because the cultural narrative largely can be about insects being creepy crawlies that are out to get you. The earth is dirt. Um, there's weeds out there in need of control and taming. And it, and it can just create this background sense of disconnection. And so just little by little, sometimes it introduced those plants we know, but know them in a negative way mm. and re rejig that story, reframe that story as, and show the beauty and nourishment and majesty of these native herbs that um, do so much for not only our body, but our but the land around as well. I always remember a teacher I once had said, um, imagine if a man wanted to form an intimate connection or a connection with a woman in a bar, and he, in the background, believed that women were less than or less intelligent, um, weaker, how is that connection going to go when in the background of his mind, that's how he views her? And relating that to the earth and how we often hold that just damaging stories without even realizing about these plants, about bees, about insects, about earth. Um, so yeah, today I sort of opened up a little bit in that way to explore those stories that we have and the stories that are more real and nourishing. Beautiful. Mm. And like for anybody who hasn't seen your page, um, your words are just, for me anyway, they're so on point. And I loved recently when we started moving through into autumn, mm. you had about the death and decay and the composting and then the... <laughs> what comes out of the compost like you know it's like yeah pure life you know and just looking mm -hmm. at it differently and not fearing the dark totally and it, it's the same you know the so this group that I'm doing now um which is an eight-week journey where people are connecting to self and inner and outer nature and the one that's in autumn and winter is often the most potent because again it's that reframing of the seasonal narrative that we have. Um, and autumn and winter really go against our the sort of main cultural idea. And I think generally people are learn to value spring and summer energy more kind of outward, young, productive, pleasing, easy. Um, and this descent, this time of descent goes against that um and we're literally being called to do things differently um and for me when i owned up to being an animal to being made of wild yeah. um everything i'm looking at now is made from the same ingredients as me and there are no human atoms it's just nature's atoms and when I started to realize that I was part of this, it helped me to 
to see nature's processes as really valuable teachers for my own life and my own journey of recovery and wellness and that realization that actually we need to decay we need to descend we need to let drop everything that is no longer us and find and go in the deep darkness and find within the seeds that we wish to carry later as the light as the light grows and many people see this time as new year um there's an there's an old story that some people say and some people are unsure but this kind of Bowen and the 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 summer's end and almost an end of the year and and for me it really makes sense this understanding that all beginnings start with a change uh, a decay and it feels like every beginning i've had like the threshold of that beginning asks for a sacrifice and that sacrifice is always the death of what holds me back from crossing that gateway mm-hmm. um and that's where beginnings are and and that darkness of like a baby in the womb or a seed in the dark earth and how when i look around me now there's layers and layers of of leaves and death and old shapes decaying and and in that decay and rot will become the fertile womb of life and that's what our earth is isn't it it's ancestors and ancestors and shapes and bodies and bones of the past creating rich alchemy um and life so yeah so i think it can be and also i think i love how at this time of year with the kind of dwindling sun and and the colder days the hormones for outward growth and productivity in trees and plants declines and disappears and so you get this kind of feeling of the hag you know the kalia that kind of um energy and um it 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 affects us too on a really physical level that that want to descend that want to be different to be quieter to be more internal and it can be really hard because i said it goes against our culture to change and people can sometimes think there's something really wrong with them but sometimes i think maybe it's something that's really right with you you know you're more in touch with your animal body your needs which is to sleep more to go inward more to change to to feel and like for me i think as well the learning is like watching the at the other animals and like you know like even the cats the cats are like clawing at my door every night wanting to come in and just like like roll upside down and then the bees (laughs) are all in their clusters huddled together like fur on fur like imagine their little furry bodies cute oh like you know it's that like going in and yeah just you mentioned like the fertile womb it's just like oh you actually made me tear up. It's just oh. so beautiful. And um, oh, I love. Sorry, go on. No, no go. I love stroking bees' bottoms. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> little furry bottoms, you know, bumblebees and things. Um, I was just thinking about insects, and I think Jay Griffith says, um, you know, when people believe in angels, she wishes that they would believe in insects. Um, and there's this, I feel that too, when people reach for sort of heavenly gods and otherworldly beings and as to adore and have a sacred for me there's something so sacred about insects and their ability to alchemize death mm. and they're the ones that are going to be eating my body they're the ones that are going to alchemize it into life they're the ones that create this life that we that we see um yeah insects mm. are amazing that is so brilliant. and i was thinking that sometimes people often think that spring comes and saves us from winter and actually i think spring can only be here because of autumn and winter you know they facilitate its birth mm -hmm. yeah that's so potent about the insects cuz i noticed that too this kind of outward reaching for mm. high, higher up peoples and distant gurus and whatnot and it's yeah like, oh my god look under your feet Even yeah worms like yeah oh <gasps> worms are in the black dark they can be women they can be men all in one like stop yeah. what you're doing I, I just discovered that worms have taste buds over their whole body can you imagine <laughs> tasting everything with your entire body body oh imagine going through that compost and the earth and the oh, every step you take would be a taste sensation amazing <laughs> they're just incredible i wonder pictures. what will my body taste like to the worms that go through it sweetness <laughs> I'll, I'll just taste like honey i'd say a big jar of honey <laughs> coming out my skin at this point <laughs> um, i think maybe i'll taste of nettle <laughs> oh hilarious because I, there was a guy telling me we were building wormeries and he was saying that the worm can be both male and female and it's like the stronger one decides so when they're going to mate uh Ooh. one flips into the female one flips into the male depending on who's the stronger like the alpha i was like that's Ooh. that's incredible Oh, I see. Like, so two worms will meet and one go, well, my feminine side is more strong. <laughs> is that right? Or is well, I hope I'm right. I, that's what I remember from the class anyway, because I was like, what? Um, that they can be both sexes. And I'm like, that's wow. incredible. And they're just living in the black dark all the time. They don't want to be in light. It's the same with Queen Bee. Oh. Look for Queen Bee, she's in the pitch black her whole life. Oh. She does for the planet. You know, all these queen bees, not just honeybee, but all queen bees. It's like they're all in the pitch black. And they're literally firing our food system. Mm. The crops we are so dependent on, like the coffees and the blueberries and the almonds and the whatnot. And it's like those people, I mean, those beings are in the, in the black dark with yeah. that much power and potential for life. Wow. Nice. It's amazing, isn't it? And when if I put myself in that place, like, I, well, I can't, I can't even, I can sort of begin to imagine, but who knows? But 
just imagine this deeply feeling place of I don't know connection to something so deep um I used to think that my soul was like light on a on a on water mm. something that I couldn't grasp something that could disappear yeah and the more I feel into it now the more I think my soul is black it is as black as the earth it is ancestors composted down it is stories and stories composted down like that kind of dark fertile matter um yeah feels more right to me yeah mm. yeah to digest that one <laughs> like a worm <laughs> yes like a worm a wiggly worm um, and also like just to comment on your videography and your photography like are you doing that yourself sometimes it's my stuff and sometimes it's someone called john whose photography is beautiful he has a real way with connecting to um the land through his camera you had a yeah. video, was it? I think it was with the elderberries, but it was just beautiful. It was oh. just something from old times, and I was oh. drawn into it. You know, I was like, "Wow!" Oh. You know, I want, I want to make more films like that because I really, they're so simple, mm. but I really enjoy them. There's something in the stillness of the, or the simplicity, and I think medicine making can be so um ancient but so simple and slow it's like going slow and, and there's so much that's fast paced out there now and in videos and what we get given what we see like really short snippets and i love things that are just you're just watching someone pick leaves off something and hearing a story of it you know um something meditative about it and I really love to make slow medicine myself like um there uh, I like to use sometimes the whole plant and travel through the seasons with it um like my favorite is hawthorn and gathering the blossom in May and then gathering the berries in autumn and gathering the leaves in spring and making one big tincture or making three tinctures and then blending them all together. And then that medicine holds every aspect of that plant life. And also sticking the thorns in there can be nice too. Mm, um, and, you know, it's such a beautiful medicine, Hawthorne. And to have that slow process with it, I love. Mm. And hey, Hawthorne blossom, that's, that's like, um, you know, the smell and it's it's got these two sides so it's a lot in a way like what we were talking about of the the death and decay and in that death and decay you have fertility so the smell smells of fertility the old stories it smells of a fertile woman's vagina um but then the other part smells of rotting meat and death mm. and so the hawthorn attracts um, the things that love sweet things, and it also attracts those 
insects that love rotting meat. And so it, it um, increases who get its attracted to it, increases fertility. But I love that the way it's got both those those sides because it reminds me of the story of of life, really. Um, so yeah, slow slow medicine making. I really love. And have you worked with slows <laughs> this season? <laughs> Do you know this season? I actually picked a few. Um, I've made a few things, but not as much as usual. Um, yeah, I find myself using rose a lot this year and the roses where I am at the moment just seem to be growing and growing and they sort of dis dis um descend and I think that's the end of them and then they're out again and yeah rose has this beautiful and you know you've got the big hips out now these kind of drops of red blood hanging from these prickled thorned um branches which i love and um yeah i just always think rose has such a beautiful all plants have such a beautiful story um that kind of becomes part of the medicine as well are there any plants you have fear working with um no no and i i have a love of poisons i don't really work with poisons but I talk to them and visit them and smell them and explore them in that way um but I don't have anything I fear no no I just just seem to fall in love over and over again with the, you know whichever plant or tree I'm exploring yeah beautiful yeah um and nuts and nuts are you enjoying the nuts this season i am loving the nuts um i got really juicy chestnuts last night and me and my little boy lit a fire and got those chestnuts going and there's something so homely about that you know in autumn you've got these beautiful nourishing berries and these fatty nuts um and also and um, the other thing I'm really enjoying, apart from all the gorgeous nuts, is the roots, you know, starting to head into the roots and exploring those bones. They feel so bone-like. And I love them in a similar way, talking about the worm and the bee, those parts of the plant that have just lived in that darkness, which mm. I which I really, there's some a whole different energy mm. to it. Definitely. Wow. And where do you feel called to um, after this ecotherapy session? Do you continue on in the winter working or do you take time off? Um, so this this winter, I've got quite a lot of time off. I'm just finishing my book. Um, yeah. So it feels really nice to just concentrate on that. And I do try more and more to try and let autumn and winter be a stiller mm -hmm. well or at least winter anyway be a stiller time um yeah it's been a process though it's taken a while to be able to to sort stuff so i can do that and actually writing feels like a good thing to be doing in the winter for me it feels it has that quality of inward 
solo kind of um, aspects to it that I love. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. I did my book in the depths of winter, and I remember just sitting at Whoa. the door, the patio door, and the rain. I just never forget it. The rain is be hitting down. I'd be crying, like <laughs> trying to get the book finished. I was like, I just can't make decisions anymore. And then the guy was like, Shall I print it for you? And this was in the January then. And I was like, No. And he was like, You need to answer me. Shall I print it? And I kept like delaying it. And I was like, I just have to do it. Yes, just do it. Oh. Like, they were saying that so many millions of books just go that far and they don't, mm. they don't print and they don't publish. So like, wow. it's like all those works of art that are hidden in people's homes and their hearts and their computers. Yeah. Like we have to release them out, you know? Yeah. Um, real ego um, rushing kind of um, experience. You know, it was quite intense, like yeah. intense, uh, shouting of do not put that out there, you know? It is really, really hard. And I think that's the thing <clears throat> that I struggle with. One of the th real massive things I struggle with writing is that temptation to over edit yeah. and and forget that I there is an editor yes. <laughs> who can do that you know but I it's like I can't bring this out it has to be perfect I know. and meeting that part of me that wants to present just so you know it's like when you in a, in a way doing this podcast now and you said oh no we're gonna do it in a minute it's like oh but I've just been in the woods and I haven't got any makeup on <laughs> you know it's that temptation to and I must present a certain way. Yeah. Um, and and I was thinking recently about um, like nature and that thing again about being part of nature and how everything for me seems to be full of a spirit. Like nature is um, always moving towards medicine, towards balance, towards wholeness. And in in doing that, every being seems to fully embody who they are. Mm -hmm. And in being who they are brings medicine. And sometimes I sit here and I sort of wonder, you know, what would happen if if Rose decided actually I'm not going to flower because I'm really embarrassed about how I look and I don't think I'll look good enough. Or if the bees said I'm going to I'm going to stop listening to the vibration of pollen because I don't trust my inner knowing anymore. Or mm. spring seeds didn't pop from the earth because they were terrified of bringing who they are into the unknown. And and yet I think, wow, that's what we do, though. As yeah. people, we hide our medicine. We don't allow ourselves to bloom, to listen to our inner knowing or to, to flourish quite often. And in that way, don't let our medicine grow into our days or or other people's. We grow to be so, um, I don't know, to not love the very unique essence that we are, I guess. And it's like authenticity, isn't it? Like people are like, they're like, oh, like that person's real, you know? Yeah. We're so drawn to the real and the raw because so much out there is just not. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, and I think there's something about, I don't know, but for me, growing up, like I was often moved away from my integrity or my feeling sense. 
like if I felt something, it'd be like, yeah, yeah, just don't listen to that and listen to this or do this. And there's sort of like this learning to, to please, learning to be a people pleaser and to form myself to be what it was that was needed in that situation to be loved, to fit in, to be, to be safe. Um, and it meant that I wasn't able for a long time to really fully explore the things I wanted to explore in the world and, and be the, speak my voice, my truth. Um, and I think it's not, it's no way just me. I think it's a real disease almost that so many people suffer with, you know, not being allowed to be who they are, who they, their truth, their feeling, their, their inspiration, their medicine. So um, we're, I'm just conscious of the time and letting you back, get back to your group that you have out in the forest. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, where could people get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about your work? Mm-hmm. Um, well, Instagram is, is a good place or my website, which is at the moment being re-fiddled with um, but it's there and you can contact me through there. Um, so either of those places are, are good. Yeah. Beautiful. And your location, in case anybody wants to come down? Yeah, at the moment I'm in Devon. So. Beautiful. Yeah, in um, Dartington. Mm. But right now I'm here on the Sharpham Estate, which is a really beautiful estate that um, is doing a lot of um, is doing rewilding of the land here and it's kind of 550 acre place of sort of wilder natural organic land um and lots of retreats happen here and and workshops and events and things like that it's a beautiful place amazing and mm. i have a final little thing because i love games and it just came into my head there i was like yes that's a good idea and people when I'm, I'm at parties i'm like right let's have a game so um, I'm just going to ask you like a couple of questions just to finish yeah. up on like what you prefer. Okay. Cool. Okay. So sea or forest? Forest. Berry or not? Berry. Um, water or soil? Oh, soil. But I couldn't <laughs> live without water. <laughs> um, poetry or singing? Oh, poetry, but, mm. oh, listening to singing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, thunder or sun? Oh, these are hard. I know, I don't know I where think- they're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> I think if it was like always thundering, it would be a bit shocking. Like I can imagine being like, oh. <laughs> But when it, because it's occasional, it's so exciting. It's I know. so oh, oh, I love it, and especially when you're lying in bed or snuggly, and the thunder is raging and the lightning's going. So I guess I'd say sun. <laughs> I'm just imagining a life of thunder every day. You'd be like, oh, not again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be quite funny. Um, okay, worm or bee? <gasps> oh, you can't do that. Yeah. Um. Oh. Oh. B. B. Um. B. B. I'll go for B. 
<laughs> I'm just imagining those little furry bottoms again. Oh no. Um, Rose or Hawthorne? Oh. Really strangely, Hawthorne came instantly to mind. Mm. Yeah. What about dandelion or nettle? Dandelion. Hmm. What about for you? Oh, they're sort of so neck and neck for me. Mm. So my two favourites. Mm. Two favourite plants, I think. Wow. Yeah. I have an affinity with um, lemongrass. Do you? Ooh. What do you love about lemongrass? Just the smell and the aliveness and just, it just I just feel mm. like it goes kind of right through my body, you know, and it's just, mm. it feels so, just reminds me of my aliveness, you know. That's why I love dandelion. Mm. That same, same thing of shift, like that shifting of stagnancy, that shifting of the concrete and reminding me of a wildness that still exists under it all there's a deep connection as well and I'm sure you've studied all the names um but you know the Melissa yeah going back to the bee and mm. is it the lemon balm or the lemongrass lemon balm yeah lemon balm and um there's these old stories I don't know if you've heard them of like the ancient Greeks putting them in their fingers and crushing it and then putting it into the floorboards Ooh. And they'd walk on it, and so the house would be smelling of lemon balm or the Melissa or the bee. Ooh. And um, they used to somehow feed it to the bees as well. And mm. it's just really, yeah, I've just always been very drawn to it, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, my friend calls Melissa Melissa the Kisser because, <laughs> because of just the way it sort of relaxes. And uh, I mean, it almost feels like honey doesn't it lemon balm it has and it has that feel like when I smell smell it it kind of whispers to me everything's going to be all right mm -hmm. you know just the shoulders drop and yeah everything's going to be okay oh I'm going to remember that now thank you <laughs> thank you I love it as well it's like my favorite in tea as well mm. Mm. yeah fennel. It's, it's a, oh fennel is my other one i'm like when fennel. i fennel i'm like fennel. Mm. <laughs> i can really see where you're going like yeah they're all deeply um immersive immediately in the body like with mm. those high those plants with high volatile oils they immediately bring people to their to their bodies don't they like introduce you to the parts parts of yourself and i love them for that because you can't you almost can't shut it off it's this instant like and that's what i love about plants is that how they when i've journeyed with a plant for my heart i get to know my heart more when i journey with a plant for my nervous system i get to know my nervous system more because the way they bring your awareness to those places in the body is really beautiful and there are some plants that do it just from their smell mm. like lemon balm or rose or fennel or rosemary mm. yeah. yeah i find rosemary at times like very strong but yeah 
something I realized this in the summer when the birds would be really loud in the fledgling season was that on a dark, dark, like real, real dark day when nothing would come out, like, you know, fog, darkness, no bird would sing or the swallows were not coming out and the bees weren't coming out. It was a real kind of, I had had this realization of like, wait, you know, they tell us we're whole. And I, yeah. I like wasn't really feeling whole on that day. I was like, no, something's mm-hmm. missing from me, you know? And the next, that night, I remember the blackbird came to the tree and I looked up and the minute started singing, I was like, oh, my oh. wholeness felt like it came back. And I know people say, you know, you're already whole on your own and all that, but there is something with me and I don't know for you or other people, but when there's absence of that, I forget my wholeness. You know, when I don't hear the birds singing or the bees, I'm like, something's missing. I need them for my, they're with my nervous system. We're all coordinating. You know, it's like a string out of a a chord missing or a string out of a guitar. Like something's missing when there's no. If you think of um, like each being in nature, they all need this diverse community to be whole. We all are attached. We're our, roots are intertwined with everything else's roots and that wholeness is there because of the bees and because of the worms and the earth and the oxygen and the trees and and one thing that always brings me home is um is the wood pigeon like sometimes in moments where i can feel sad or just a bit lost and i'll hear the and I remember that sound in my granny's who was called Rosemary I remember she lived in a cottage in the middle of the in the forest and it was my safe one of my safe places with her and I first discovered that sound there and I remember hearing that in Plum Village they have a bell that goes off every now and again and it's a bell to remind you to come back back to yourself to come back to your breath and for me my bell is the wood pigeon and every time I hear it's like oh I remember a sense of who I am and that feeling of safety as a child which which I love it's beautiful yeah so you have the wood pigeon I have the blackbird yay yeah I'm like don't ever leave me don't ever leave that tree (laughs) yeah temptation put a lead on it and keep it for <laughs> I know I'm like you're a part of me you know we're all here together yeah like you know yeah um, yeah yes and we so, are we are totally. yeah um so I know that you need to go and teach and I could talk to you all day um, oh you too it's so lovely chatting to you thank you so much for coming on and taking the time mm, it's a real pleasure thank you so much yeah Thank you. um, I'll connect with you again somewhere, maybe in the wild. Yeah, that would be nice. Definitely. Thank you so much, Bridget. Thank you. So, folks, if you enjoyed this um, episode today, give it a share and give me some feedback. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. And thanks to the patrons who support. And if you can support me in my nature mission, please go on to patreon.com slash catch a cot. And I will talk to you all very soon. Slaan.